We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show. We have a special edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show this week. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Robert Pimsner of Pinstriped Prospects. Uh, that's a Yankees website, uh, Yankees prospect website, also Yes Affiliated. He'll join us in a few minutes, but Scott, what's up? Not much, man. I'm excited to talk uh, more Yankee baseball. We got some good prospect. We have a lot of prospect news, actually, I think, as the season was over. And, and um, you know, we got guys in the fall league in Arizona who are doing pretty well and uh, I think you know the hot stove is about to start getting uh, boiled up and you know these guys are going to be on the forefront when we're talking about possible trades and rumors and all these things that are about to fly out for the next you know month or month and a half two months so uh, I'm excited system, man. The Yankee system has been pretty decent the last couple of years where they're finally producing some guys who are contributing on the major league level um, so yeah it's it's a fun time to, to think about what could be over the next few years with these guys but I'm I'm just sort of 
it, since the World Series ended, whatever, a week and a half, two weeks ago, it, the fact that no baseball is on anymore is really set in for me. And it's kind of kind of crappy because you have to wait all week for for the NFL, and then midweek there's really nothing going on. I'm I'm finding myself watching the same episode of Seinfeld over and over. Well, you need to get on Netflix and start watching a couple of different shows. I don't know if you have Netflix, but what's Netflix? Yeah, what's Netflix? <laughs> so there's two different shows that are just phenomenal that that I'm sure you would love. Okay. So the first one is called Narcos. Already watched it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I've already watched all of it. Oh, okay. A yeah, lot of phenomenal. reading. A lot of reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's fine, though. But it was okay. I, I didn't mind it because it was extremely interesting. And then uh, House of Cards is, I think, is awesome. I know. It's House of Cards is one of those show. ones that it's been in my in my list of shows to watch. And I know it's there's been a number of seasons already, so it's kind of daunting to think about having to go in and watch all of them. Maybe I'll... I'll crank that out this winter, though. Another well, I think, show that I just think it's only three shows or three seasons. I, yeah, we're actually in the third. We're starting the third big season. Commitment, now. though. Yeah, but it's awesome. It's so good. It's so good. It's um, it's really Kevin Spacey's so good in it, and it's it's really like a it's a unique way of doing television because every once in a while he'll actually turn to the camera and talk to the audience. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I've seen a few of the episodes just in passing. Aziz Ansari has a new show on Netflix that just came out, and it's like a half hour comedy but it's also kind of got like serious undertones i haven't watched it yet but it's got really good reviews so far so i think that's going to be my next one what's it called masters of none and uh uh, yeah i mean i have uh two friends who have already watched it all the way through and they said it's really good the interesting thing about it though uh, the people who play as parents in the show are as parents in real life which i think is kind of cool Oh yeah, that is cool. That's an interesting dynamic when you put it on camera too. So yeah, so um, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch a few episodes of that this week and and tell you how it's going. But there you go. I found myself that that I, because of my evenings are completely empty or not not completely empty, but there's no baseball in them. I'm I'm like I'm out of town every weekend now. It seems like because I'm just like let's go. Let's, I got I got time to kill. So we were in D.C. this weekend. Uh, my wife has a, a friend from college who's getting married, so we had an engagement party. And then, you know, we hit the town for uh, for a while on Saturday night. But um, I'll tell you the interesting thing that we did that I've never done before, and I didn't even know it was, like, a thing, but apparently it is a thing, is apparently you can take your dog to hotels, like, all over the place now. Oh, yeah, dog-friendly hotels. I've I've definitely heard of that. I've never well, seen it. I've heard of it, but I always thought it was, like, a really, like, you know, one of those, like, crappy hotels or like or a motel not. six or something yeah yeah something freeway. like that we actually stayed in like a, a decently nice hotel i mean it was uh, we got on orbits it's a it was a good hotel and uh they allowed the dog there I, w- I was shocked i didn't have to pay any more money for the dog i had to sign my life away but <laughs> but yeah so so mattingly came with us and uh hung out in the crate while we were out out uh, hitting the town so it was interesting you're like but i didn't mom. know that was such a thing you're like my mom she can't leave the dog at home at all she's got to take her everywhere she goes well this was more of an experiment because i didn't i wanted to see what it was like (laughs) like bringing the dog in and it was kind of a pain because taking her up and down um to go to the bathroom and all that was 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 definitely a pain in the butt but but uh yeah it was uh you know at least you know that's that that that's there as a dog owner that's good to know so i'm glad we had we had the experiment and, and uh it was a it was a good success so nice so as I said earlier, we've got we're gonna bring Rob on in a second and talk to him. Um, we sent out a call for mailbag questions, so we got a few of those to get to. We're gonna be mentioning some of the big name prospects: Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, who have both been in the news quite a bit of recent, and also some of the guys that we saw at the major league level this year make an impact, like Bird, Severino, and Ref Snyder. So. 
Definitely looking forward to this conversation. All right, we are back with Rob from Pinstriped Prospects. Uh, he's on Twitter at, at Pinstriped Pros. Rob, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on the show. I know Scott reached out to you to get this podcast going, but uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Oh, anytime. I'm happy to be on the show. I love talking Yankees, love talking about prospects. And I love sharing my knowledge with everyone out there. You have a web- Your website is Pinstriped Prospects, and uh, how long have you been doing that? Well, Pinstripe Prospects has been around for two years now. I it launched it in March of 2014, but I've been covering the Yankees farm system since 2003 I, when I launched my first website, which specifically covered just the Staten Island Yankees. And then over the time, I started covering other teams. In 2009, I closed that site down. I moved over to Gotham Baseball and, at the time, Baseball Digest. Uh, they are online um, website. Yep. And I ran pretty much the back end. I helped out with that, their marketing, uh, ads, and also did the Yankees beat for them. And at that time, was when I really started to spread out and start covering the entire system. And after a couple of years, I graduated college. And I was like, you know what? I want to do my own thing again. And I started working on Pinstripe Prospects. And nice. I watched so, last so- year. So you actually started the first, or were working on the first website during college or before college? Uh, the first website, I was actually 13 years old in high school. Ser- huh. Seriously? Yes. He was the he was the young Twitter uh, young Twitter MLB followers before there was Twitter. Yeah, you're like Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, way before then, but I was at the ballpark. At that time, I became really good friends with the Yankee scouts. One of them, who became my mentor in the game, took me under his wing, taught me a lot about the game, taught me pretty much everything I know about the game when it comes to looking at players, evaluating them. And thanks to him, I get to go to some of the draft workouts and see all the amateur guys before the draft. I guess that, that helps a lot when you're talking about them on uh, on Pinstripe Prospects, too, is knowing the ins and outs and actually being able to to spot a lot of the, you know, the things that scouts are looking for and that teams are looking for in a player, you know, especially when they're starting to climb the rank. So, you know, having that, I guess, having that background and, and you know, being mentored by a scout, that's pretty cool. And that's that definitely helps out quite a bit. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely does. And every time I see him every year, I always thank him for what he's done because if it wasn't for that I probably wouldn't have started Pinstripe Prospects and had fallen in love with minor league baseball and uh, Pinstripe Prospects is now a Yes Network affiliated blog just like Bronx Pinstripe so congrats on that that's uh, definitely a a great accomplishment and uh, happy to all be part of the Yes family oh yeah our our Yes partnership is uh, very important to us we have a great relationship with them and we love sharing the content on the Yankees minor leaguers and we, it is our goal to make Pinstripe Prospects the number, number one source for Yankees minor league information. And nice. we can't do it without their help. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you're from, uh, I, can, I think I can tell by the accent, you're from the New York area? <laughs> yes, I am born and raised New Yorker. I live in Staten Island. Born there. I, I'm the only member of my family born in Staten Island. But I work in Manhattan in my day job and travel around quite a bit. All right, so so that's sort of why you started with the Staten Island Yankees because that's sort of your home turf. Well, that's actually an interesting story. My first website, when I started that in 2000, it was late 2002, early 2003 when I started that, and like 2003 is when I, it really got going. But what happened was two players 
came up to me and, and we were talking because I always chatted with the pitchers in the ballpen before the games when I was a season ticket holder. And we were talking like, yeah, at the time, there was nothing on the internet. It was 2002. So they were like, yeah, we need, we're trying to find a way to help keep our families up to date on what we're doing and, and how we're performing and everything. I was like, I have an idea. At the time, I was exploring web design, and that's how I started the website. And then from there, I just started following these guys as they moved up the system and started spreading out. So, uh, yeah, some of those guys, I guess, any of those guys that you were talking to make it up to the big leagues? Uh, not the initial two, no, but I have had, became friends with a few people that have made it up to the big leagues. Uh, Chase Whitley's one of them. I was actually at his his uh, first big league game at, at City Field, which is interesting because I was with my father, who's actually a big Mets fan, and we had tickets behind the plate. Wait, really? Your dad's a Mets yeah. fan? My entire family's Mets fans. <laughs> so it was just that you had to go against the grain. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's the story there? Well, when I was younger, my first baseball game was actually... The first baseball game that I remember was actually at Shea Stadium in, like, 97. But I'm told that I went to a Little Falls Mets game back in the day. I don't remember that at all. But the first game I remember was 97 at Shea Stadium, and my whole family are Mets fans. Me, I'm the odd one out. I'm the Yankee fan. But that that really started because when the Santa Yankees came in in 99, that's when I really started to follow baseball. I started following these guys come up and became season ticket holder there when they moved into the Richmond County Bank ballpark in 2001. A couple of years and then started working as a member of the media covering the team. And I just... I, at this point, I didn't say I don't root for a team. I root for my friends. So I know a lot of people that have made it up to the majors, and I just want to see them do well. Any resentment there from your family that you're you're a Yankees fan and they're Mets fans? No, but it does make for fun debates at dinner time. Hmm. So, so how badly were you rooting against the Mets in the World Series? I was not rooting against the Mets. I actually wanted them to do it. What? Yes. See, some people want their family to be happy, Andrew. You know, <laughs> some people means... some people want their friends and their family to be happy, and and you know, others just want to see them live in misery. Not if it means the crosstown rival wins the World Series. Well, it depends. You know, it really just depends on on your well, outlook how, on that. How much of a rival are the Mets really? We play each other what four times, six times a year. It's all yep. about the fans. It's it's the fact that the Mets fans could have then rubbed it in the faces of the Yankees fans that they won a World Series, um, you know, more recently than than the Yankees. That's really what it comes down to. It's really yeah, it's fan versus fan. Yeah, this is fan on fan crime. This is not this is not Mets Yankees on the field because you're right. They only play a handful of times. Yeah, but, I, mean, um, I, I remember a little antidote I was told a few years ago by a friend of mine that was interviewing for a job with the Mets. He goes, you know. I've never seen so many Yankee fans in one place. <laughs> because, what was this, at uh, Shea Stadium or City Field? Uh, at the time, I think it was Shea Stadium. Well, yeah, those things, uh, <laughs> anytime there was a Subway Series going on, it uh, definitely was banged out with Yankee fans. <laughs> no, this was the front office. I guess I guess uh, wherever the paycheck's coming in, that's, that's where you're going to go. Exactly. All right, so um, we did send out a call for mailbag questions. Thank you for everyone who, who sent some in. Uh, we got um, uh, a handful to get to on different guys in the system. But, uh, Scott, why don't you kick, us, kick it off with the first mailbag question? 
first mailbag is from our friend Stanley Gorzinski. Thank you, Stanley, for writing in. He asked, do they try and trade Murphy to open up room for Sanchez? So I think um, Sanchez has been lighting up the Arizona Fall League. He just won, I think, the, uh, was it the All-Star Game MVP? It was the Arizona Fall League Fall-Stars Game okay. Star of the Game. Okay. By Roman. Yeah. That's the full name. There you go. (laughs) So um, he's sort of at the top of mind for a lot of people. He's been in the system for a few years. His name has been coming up for a few years, but it seems like he's uh, just recently been coming, uh, coming on strong. So, so Rob, you know, what are you seeing out of Sanchez and, um, you know, just Stanley's question, what are they going to do with the fact that they have Murphy, who I think is actually a pretty good backup catcher? There's no doubt that Murphy is probably one of the best backup catchers in major league baseball today. Sanchez, though, he's a big-time bat. He has big league power. I mean, you saw that 400-foot home run he hit in the Fall Stars game. And he's really come around this year. I would say last year they there was a lot of attitude issues they had with him. But coming into this year, you see a complete 180. He's His work ethic turned around. He started listening and doing well. And you see a complete change in him. He has an amazing arm at catch. He demonstrated that again in the Fall Stars game, throwing out a runner at second. I think it would be a disservice to him to have him as a backup. Okay. And you have to you have to remember he only has 35 games in AAA, so he could use some more time down there. Yeah, and you don't want to bring a guy up to play him, you know, for 100 at bats or whatever, and stunt his growth. If 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 they project him to be a starting catcher, which, I mean, from the sounds of it, it, it seems like they do. Especially a catcher. I think catcher is a position where you have to play a lot. You have to play a lot to, to really learn the position and, and to, um, to really excel at the position, especially defensively. Robert, do you, do you see him as, you said he's got a big arm, uh, but what about defensively as far as, you know, is, I mean, is he a gold glove defense, de- defender or is he more like the, the Jesus Montero or is he a true catcher? I would not call him a gold glove defender at all. He, okay. He's got a lot of work to do. He is improving. He needs to work more on blocking pitches and catching pitches behind the plate because he does let a lot go by him. But I don't think it would hinder him long term. I think he could be a serviceable major league catcher. I don't see him moving to any other position in, in, the, in the time in, anytime soon. Because I don't really feel he has the athleticism okay. to do that. But you were bringing up Bird before. It's sort of a different situation with with Sanchez. He needs those regular reps behind the plate to further improve his defense. But Bird, on the other hand, he's a guy that I believe is major league ready right now. Yeah, I mean, he definitely proved that. Yeah, we all agree on that. <laughs> That's... My my point was is that we you know we've heard Cashman talk about uh, Bird going back down um, because there's no spot for him and he needs to go down there and play every day rather than you know play a, a rotation in the in the big leagues. But I, I know we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, you know staying on Sanchez as far as him being a defender, I mean you know you're saying he doesn't have the athleticism. Has he played anywhere else in the minor leagues before? Have they put him at first base? Have they put him at third or right field um, at all in the minors? In the minors, no. What happened when he was about six, 15, 16 years old, he played a little bit in field, you know, as they all do when they're that age. But since he's been in the system, he's been a catcher. 
Uh, I don't see him anywhere else. I mean, he tricked a few people having fun, taking a few reps at third base at batting practice a few weeks ago in the fall league. But that's all it was. It was just, you know, playing a joke on the manager and just having fun. Well, I think the timing, if he still needs a year plus in the minors, the timing with McCann's contract is actually pretty convenient. Uh, McCann has what? I think three more years um, starting next year. So, you know, at that point, who knows how McCann is going to be holding up behind the plate. He might be able to rotate at DH and first base as well. So, I mean, I would guess that's their plan with Sanchez. I don't know. I've always thought the original plan was when they signed McCann that it was going to be a couple years behind the plate and then eventually he's going to move over to first base. But with Greg Bird emerging as is, I don't there's, – there's a log jam there. So yeah. I don't well, did Greg Bird that. did Greg Bird come out of nowhere in a sense? Then did they not expect this sort of uh, development from him? I don't believe they didn't expect it. They, I don't, I think they just didn't expect it to be as fast. Yeah, because if you remember last year in the fall, he wasn't even originally on the roster for the Fall Stars game. He played into it last second, and then became the Fall Star of the game, like. Uh, Gary Sanchez did this year. It's a trend with these Yankees. So he pretty much came out of nowhere in terms of other scouts. But I think in the organization, he's always been well-regarded as one of the best hitters in the organization, has one of the best eyes at the plate. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely agree with you on that. One thing I noticed from Bird, I mean, even from his first game, I remember it was in Cleveland, and I think he got one hit or something, but all of his at-bats were good. He's not overmatched at the plate. Which is, I think, why we saw him succeed, and I think why he's he's above AAA level. I just think that it would be a disservice to him to stick him back in AAA because, it just frankly, he's too good for for that league. I think. Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I we were joking around in our Pinstripe Prospects team chat that you know Seattle needs a first baseman, so maybe we could trade him Tex. <laughs> for whatever reason it seems like Cashman loves trading with Seattle I've heard Seattle's name come up a number of times for Tex, I've heard it for Ellsbury because Ellsbury's from the area and flipping the Cano contract mind. I've heard it so many so many different things with Seattle I wouldn't mind uh, trading Ellsbury either but that's just me <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, a number of people that might be on board with that but <laughs> that contract might be untradeable at this point though it depends on how much you want to eat <clears throat> yeah well I don't know, we've heard that the team at least is, I mean, it always kind of makes me laugh when when uh, the organization says they have, you know, a budget. Everyone has a budget, but, I mean, they do still spend a ton of money. But uh, I don't think they just want to be giving away players and eating contracts at this point. No, I agree with you. All right, so another big name that um, I think everyone is excited about is Aaron Judge. He's... Not only gigantic, he's like six seven, but he sort of took uh, the jump from it was he went from double A AA to triple A this year. Yeah, he started off the year in double A, Trenton, and about mid year he went up to triple A Scranton Wilkesbury. And when he made that jump, a lot of holes in his swing were and his approach at the plate were unveiled by triple A pitchers, which are very seasoned, as you as you might know. So. He's still, I feel, still a year away. We could see him next year if he comes back strong after the, that down 
year he had in AAA because he was hitting 284 in Double A. But once he got in Triple A, his average dropped considerably. You know, he ha- he's a guy, tall guy, very long swing. He has a holes in the swing. When you watch him play, you, you see he's very selective at the plate. And he'll let pitches go by him that he could have hit. And he it, you'll see he'll realize it after the fact. <laughs> he needs to be a little bit less selective at the plate. I need to show a little bit more confidence and to take control. You're, you're saying that he has holes in the swing too. Um, specifically, I mean, it, he does have a long swing. Is it is it becoming as he's climbing the ranks and getting to AAA and then and then you know possibly on the major league level? Is it is it too long? Is it is it something that can be uh, that can be adjusted? Does he need to shorten it up a little bit? It, you know, I mean, I, I see your, what you're saying about the the pitch selection as well, but is the actual swing major league? Um, major league ready or you know they can transition into the major leagues i wouldn't say he's major league ready right now right but i think he's gonna learn to adjust to how they're pitching him because they're pitching him completely different they were pitching him different in triple a than in uh in double a so he needs to adjust to how that is and adjust his swing accordingly and i believe once he does that you'll see him take off and one of the guys with some real big power Right, and, and I think one of the one of the big pros on Aaron Judge, and I think it was a, a surprise to a lot of people in the organization, was the fact that he made a lot of adjustments and he did it so quickly. And I don't think a lot of people, from what I've read, that they didn't really expect him to make, you know, such drastic adjustments and to really improve as fast as he did. So it seems like mentally and you know, as far as adjusting to the to the different styles and the different games and the different levels. He has the ability to do that, and he's proven it in the past. So, um, you know, maybe that's oh, yeah. it. Just a little it, bit more time. Just need he needs to get the get it going. That's exactly what it is. He, he needs a little bit more time to get it going. Mm-hmm. He's he's a little pretty much split last year evenly between Double A AA and Triple A. And towards the later part of the season, he he did a little bit better, but he just had he struggled. He he, he really struggled. So it really brought down his average. He really needs to make those adjustments. But I mean, do we see him hitting 280 in the major leagues, or is he a is he a 250, 260 hitter that's going to be hitting 30 home runs? The power will be there, but the average won't be. I think that will probably be what you find with him. I think 250, 260 will probably in the majors with with the power is what you'll see, especially with the short porch. I mean, that plays, though, in the major leagues. I mean, power yeah. is so hard to come by now. Um, right. You know, in the last few years, 30 home run hitters are, are not like they were 10, 15 years ago. So if you can hit 30 home runs and hit 250, you're going to be making 15 to $20 million a year once you hit free agency. So there's nothing wrong with that if that's what he's going to be. Oh, yeah, exactly. And he's not exactly a guy that would be a liability in right field either. He can really run down balls and save you some runs. He has a, an above-average arm, so he's not exactly a guy that will cost you runs in the field. At 6'7", 250-plus, whatever, I hope to God he's got an above-average arm. <laughs> I, I hope that frame can throw some guys out. I really do. Oh, <laughs> well, he can. With what we saw from Beltron all year in right field, it's not like they had a gold glover out there this year. So <laughs> even if he's just above-average, it's an upgrade over Beltron's defense. Oh, wholeheartedly. I think within a year, within this year, you'll see him in the majors. 
Okay, so you that, think he's going to make a jump as like a summer call-up or maybe a September call-up? That's going to depend on how the season goes. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I think if, if you see him come off, come out of spring training, hitting the ball, making those adjustments, you'll see him mid-season in the majors. If he stru- still struggles a bit in the early season, he'll be a September call-up. It probably also depends on Beltran's health. Right. That too. Because, that I mean, we saw Bird come up and stay up because Teixeira went down. I mean, if the same thing happens to Beltran, which is very possible with his age, you know, they could just look to judge rather than make a trade. Agreed. Well, and we're not even we're not even talking about the fact of what could happen in these winter meetings, um, because there have been definite talks about right-handed bats coming in, right-handed outfield, specifically outfield bats that are available on the free agent market that, um, you know, that could tempt Cashman, especially with a guy like Sanchez or, um, you know, some of the other prospects that we have. So there's there's a whole lot of fluid things that need that are going to be going on, obviously, in the Yankees organization. But it's good to hear that his. You know that he has the ability, I think, to make that to make that jump, and uh, you know to to at least contribute at some point during the season. So I know I know Yankee fans are are, are, are pumped up for that. Oh yeah, he's gonna be a, a guy to keep an eye on because he's gonna be really fun to watch once he makes that jump to the big leagues. Yeah, it seems like if he stays, if he makes it with the Yankees and is good, he's gonna be a fan favorite. Just I mean, he's larger than life. You don't see that every day. Um, it's I mean a six seven outfielder is not normal so i think he's yeah, gonna be popular uh, for that reason yeah it's, it's gonna be fun seeing him in the outfield not having to jump to make a catch <laughs> yeah dare, dare i say that the judgment day is coming <laughs> yeah we got those t-shirts printed and ready to go <laughs> <laughs> all right um next guy i want to talk about is a guy that sort of um you know, got a lot of Yankee fans talking this summer, and that's Ref Snyder. Ref Snyder! <laughs> Scott's <laughs> Binky is Ref Snyder. Loves the guy. Love him. Um, it, I don't understand, really, um, if there was a problem or what the problem was that the organization has with Ref Snyder. If it's just purely on the field or if there's some off-field stuff. I know there was some rumors going around. I know Mike Francesa talked about how Ref Snyder has an attitude problem. All that stuff went on. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at what he did in the last few weeks of the season, he was pretty good. And especially at the plate, he was pretty good. Um, and I think, you know... Fans kind of wondered what could have been had had the Yankees had Ref Snyder for a full second half. You know, could that offensive upgrade over Steven Drew have gotten them, you know, maybe the division and not have to play on that wild card game? So, you know, what do you th- see the Yankees doing with Ref Snyder going into next year? In my opinion, he should be the starting second baseman. And that's my opinion. I don't think he has anything left to prove in the minor leagues. I think his defense has come along, but he still needs to do some work on it, but he can only do that in the major leagues. He needs to learn the major league speed of the game and you make those adjustments to make himself better. So you look at the game. I mean, I see, I think I'm a pretty good judge of if a guy is playing a good position or not, just, you know, past the errors or no errors. But what did you see out of ref Snyder's defense at the major league level? Cause to me, it looked like he was making the plays he should have, and he wasn't overmatched out there in the field. At least that's what I saw. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. At the major league level, I didn't see any real issues with his game. I think he played a serviceable second base. 
And he's never going to be a gold glove, that's for sure. I mean, he's, all, he's only third year playing second base, so he's still making the adjustments. He had some struggles early on in AAA this year when they, they tried to make a change to how he played, played second, but then they reverted back, and you saw the errors just drastically drop. What was the change? There was a, a specific change that they asked him to do? Uh, yes, it was in spring training. I don't know exactly what it was. All I know is that they they changed something in spring training, and then when he went to about a month in the in the Scranton season, he, they were like, "Drop it, go back to what he used to do." So this is what that leads me to believe, because I think that is a crucial piece of information right there. What what that leads me to believe, and this is exactly what I thought and what I've seen. Rob Ruffsnyder is an athlete. I mean, he's a, he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, I, and I think that, like you said, this is only, you know, this is a, he's been playing second base for a very short amount of time. But when you have a guy who is, you know, an incredible athlete like he is and plays with plays with instincts, I mean, we saw that, I don't know if you remember that play that where he, he charged in and threw a backhand over the shoulder of the runner that went to second base. I think that was in the Boston series, actually, right before the uh, the All-Star break. But, I mean, it was it was an instinctual play. It was, a, it was a play that a lot of guys probably wouldn't make that he made. That I'm like, wow, one, I can't believe he made that. Two, wow, I can't believe it actually worked. It was one of those things. Um, but he, he just has those instincts, and then he has, he has the athleticism to actually make the adjustments. And, you know, I could see him being a very good second baseman down the road. It's just that, – so that, that was the puzzling thing for me is why, you know, they kept blaming everything on his defense, his defense, his defense, when so dramatically the Yankees needed – a guy at the bottom, a right-handed bat at the bottom of the order who could get on, get on base, hit for average, and play a decent second base. And I mean that that was one of the biggest needs for this major league team, and they just wouldn't bring him up. And it, from everything I'm hearing, it was because of the defense, and I just, just didn't see what they were talking about. Well, I think the defense was the public reason <clears throat> behind the plate, like you alluded to before. There was talk about his attitude, and. This year wasn't the first year I heard that. I also heard it last year when he was in Trenton that he, a lot of people called him uncoachable. So, is it just an arrogance? Is that what it is, or uh, the, the, the perceived arrogance? That's what it, it might be. Yeah. But here's the report I got from Trenton last year that he just always complained when working on stuff like shifts and all that. And it was just the coaches didn't like his attitude, and that kind of went through the organization. Mm-hmm. And I heard a little bit that there was something in the in the big leagues this year when he was that week or so he was up that just rubbed people the wrong way. I don't know exactly what it was, but that might have been what Francesca was uh, referring to. And I mean, if there is something that happened, I mean that that's not good. Uh, you don't like to see that, especially out of a young player. You rather right. see the guy just act professional and, you know, try to, you know, establish himself. Sort of like the attitude Q, Greg, Q Bird. Greg Bird. Yeah, 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 exactly. Greg Bird seems like he was, you know, crafted in a lab by Yankees, like, team officials. <laughs> that's right. polished and ready to go. But um, if, if Ref Center does have an attitude problem, m- you know, maybe it was fixed and put in check when they stuck him in the minor leagues. And maybe that was the right call. Um, any rumors that he was, you know, uncoachable or had an attitude problem at the end of the season? I haven't heard anything new yet. I'm, I'm sure eventually I will. But I think him going down and then coming back up, that 
probably humbled him a bit. And there's one thing with the Yankees. They've, they've always been an organization that really prioritizes how the clubhouse acts. They don't want the, uh, the selfish, arrogant person in the clubhouse that will ruin the whole atmosphere. Like, you could say A-Rod is a little bit like that, but in the clubhouse, everyone loves him. So the, the attitude is really a big thing for them. No, it makes sense because it is true. That, that's been something that's it's been, you know, throughout every Yankee team I've seen. There's always been, um, you know, team guys. So, I mean, I, having, I get it if that's the reason. Having a little edge to you is not a bad thing either. And, uh, you know, I'm not comparing Ref Snyder to the person I'm about to mention. But Bryce Harper has an attitude, and he probably has an attitude problem. But you know right. what? He produces on the field, and when you're producing, you can deal with a little bit of an attitude. He's an all-world guy. I mean, that's that's a that's one of those guys that you just deal with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. When there's an edge. So maybe there is, maybe it was. I mean, maybe these reports are, are you know, are deeper than we thought and deeper than we, uh, you know, kind of, we're talking about as it happened, but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully that 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 cured him of his attitude adjustment. Well, now that it's come out, I think he'll read into it and maybe make the adjustments. I remember last year Gary Sanchez was right was called a similar uh, similar uncomfortable, and this year came in completely different attitude and completely turned around his development. Yeah, and you know one of the things that I've I've kind of noticed with these guys too, it seems like a lot of the younger guys, just when when you hear them when you hear them interviewed and and you know talking about how Yankee fans are you know always expecting that next wave of young talent, I almost feel like a lot of these guys have 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 recognized that that they there is a wave coming in of young guys uh, for the New York Yankees and that they can be that next generation homegrown uh, wave of talent and. Uh, you know, something like an attitude. If that if that was an issue at one point, um, you know, if I, I would really, really, if, if this guy really is who we who we think he can be, um, you know, I would expect that to completely uh, to completely go away. If you can see, you know, if you look back in history and, and how the Yankee fans adore homegrown talent and how it's worked in the past, I mean, you better get your stuff straight and and uh, and, and just have the the stuff uh, you know you're you're playing on the field represent you rather than you're talking. So. Hopefully all that stuff is sorted out. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you said, I don't think there's ever been a time where, at least when I've covered the Yankee system at the last 14 years, that the homegrown talent that's coming in is just awesome. So awesome. Right. And the information, we've never had as much information about these guys as we do now. You know, so these guys are really getting introduced introduced to these homegrown players when they're starting their careers in rookie ball all the way and following all the way up to the major leagues. So they're really getting to know these guys. You know, my league baseball is a huge business. And I think that's what this Yankees team, current Yankees team is missing is more homegrown guys. I mean, you see the Mets. I mean, I, I know they obviously just made the world series, but a reason that they, have such a loyal following and especially this year um, is because of all the young guys on their team and you can really get behind guys um, a lot easier than when it's just more veterans, free agents and, and things of that nature. I agree with you wholeheartedly because you really grow up with them. So 
you really like create a bond. That's why you saw grown men crying for Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera when they left. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I thought you were going to say grown men crying in, in Queens. That's what I thought you were going for. <laughs> that too. As soon as uh, Lucas also. Dudas th- uh, throw sailed to the backstop. Yeah. I thought it was when uh, Murphy bobbled that ball. Yeah, it could have been those two times, or it could have actually been their crying shortstop that was crying on the field. That too. But. <laughs> I don't fault Wilmer. Wilmer is a good guy, but I don't know. I think we, we got to take a couple jabs. As Tom Hanks said, "There's no crying in baseball." <laughs> <laughs> what summed up that World Series was first game, Cespedes kicking the ball instead of putting it in his glove. I totally agree. The The tone of the series was set in that first game when the Royals came back on Familia and won in whatever it was, 15 innings or whatever. I think the tone was set in that first game. Yeah. If if they actually caught the ball and didn't bobble it, they probably would have been world champions. But that's why defense is important. Yeah, that's what A-Rod said. That was his big analysis, and it actually was spot on. All right, so the next guy I want to talk about is Mateo, Jorge Mateo, shortstop. And I think there was some rumors at the deadline that he might be moved to San Diego um, in that trade for, oh, crap, I'm blanking on his name. Kimbrell. Kimbrell. Uh, But the Yankees deemed Mateo untradeable, um, which is uh, gives me a lot of excitement because, you know, you don't just throw the untouchable label on guys. So, um, you know, what do you think the uh, Mateo's ceiling could be? I think he is a major league all-star shortstop, and that's what he will be. That's my humble opinion on on the guy. He's just truly a -a one-of-a-kind prospect, a guy you don't give up on, especially for nothing less than an ace. I mean, so you're saying a Kimbrel, a Kimbrel, a closer like that, and a is not a guy that you would give him up for. No, I would not. A a Kimbrel and a Tyson Ross. I want. A number one pitcher. If 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 I had to give up Mateo, I would not give up him for anything else other than a number one Cy Young candidate pitcher. Good lord! So we're keeping him then. <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's just him, I think it would be hard. They're not going to get that. It would hard to. It would be hard, I think, to get that from a guy that's only played at the A ball level. It would be impossible at this point. Well, but, that's the thing. Mateo is just that one-of-a-kind prospect. If he would grow up in the United States, he would not be playing baseball. All right, so what, no. yeah, what makes him one-of-a-kind? Just his instincts on the field, his speed, his athleticism is beyond anything I've seen. Is He's just one of those prospects that you just watch him and you'd be like, wow. So is he like a Jose Reyes? I mean, he because I, I know he's a speed a speed guy on the base path, and it, he doesn't have a huge amount of power. But I mean, does he go? Does he spray the ball? Is he is he able to hit the ball over the field? Um, you know, what kind of hitter is he as well? He's a pretty good. He's a solid hitter. He'll hit, he'll give you a good two seventy to two eighty. But once he gets on those bases, whether it's walk, hit, whatever, be sure certain. He is stealing a base. He's let. He, I think this year he led all of baseball, not just the minors, all of baseball in general in stolen bases. And it's just something you don't see out of a, a kid like this. It is really just amazing to watch him. Well, you talked I, about his instincts. I mean, you have to have speed, but you also have to have instincts because yeah. Brett Gardner has speed. But to me, he doesn't have many base running instincts because he doesn't 
ever get good jumps when he's trying to steal bases. So you need more than speed. So for him to be stealing all those bases, I mean, you must be right about that. Those instincts. Yeah, he's a guy I'm very excited for. I would not be surprised if you see him in Double A this year, Triple A by the end of the season. So he's a shortstop um, right now. Is he? Is he? Does he have the ability to go somewhere else? Could he be at second base? Is that, uh, you know, is that a, an area where maybe hey, Ref Snyder gets moved and Mateo gets moved over to second because the beginning of the year it didn't look like what was going to happen towards the end of the year. But Didi Gregorius turned out to be a major league baseball or a major league ready shortstop. Um, his bat came around. His defense, as we know, it is deep. Defenses. He's got a cannon for an arm. Um, you know, I'd say he's a, you know a top shortstop uh, with Gold Glove potential. I mean, he's got he's got that kind of uh, that kind of defensive skills, and we saw his back come around. So you know, it seems to me that that shortstop right now, as of right now, if, if this keeps you know continues and Didi just keeps getting better, or, you know, even stays to what he did this year, uh, we have a shortstop for the future. I wouldn't move him to second base just yet. I know there was a, some rumors about that this off season. When it was in trucks, he was taking time, taking some reps on the right, uh, the right side of second base. But that was just getting used to the shift. Mm-hmm. Mateo, in my opinion, is a shortstop, is a true shortstop, and should stay at shortstop. I don't think, I don't think he should go anywhere else. I mean, he could play a good second base if you move him there. I'm sure of it. He's just that kind of type of prospect. But he should stay at short. And what you really have to look at, you have to look at just the depth the Yankee system has right now at shortstop. Right. Especially in that low minors. And you're starting to see a trickle, trickle, uh, trickle up to double A with Tyler Wade, who's not, who's in the Arizona Fall League now. But he's major- a lot of his time he's spent at second base. So I'm under the opinion that once you see Mateo hit double play, you're going to see a Mateo Wade middle of the middle of the infield because these guys are going to be a pretty good double play tandem. Wade, who could, like Mateo, stick at shortstop, but being forced to move to second because of Mateo, I think you see that double play combo coming up through the system together. So at the end of the day, it sounds like we have a complete log jam at shortstop. Oh, there, who, who's no being doubt. moved? <laughs> Who who's the guy that's going? Right now, I believe Wade is going to be moving moved to second base full time as as we get into the season. You already have a guy like Avital Avellino who played with Mateo in Charleston and Tampa. He's played second and third. Angel Aguilar has played second, short, and third. You have Tyro Estrada, who again another great shortstop. He played all second base, mostly second base this year with Stan Island. So you have Kyle Holder, who is a guy that is just a fantastic defensive shortstop, struggles a bit with the bat, but he's a guy that has the instinct to stay short full time, long long term. Uh, in Pulaski, you have Ho Jun Park, who probably will stick at short as he moves to the system, but could move to second or third. And then you get to rookie ball uh, further down in rookie ball where you just got a ton of shortstops coming up so it's really to say that there's a log jam would be putting it mildly because there's just a ton of shortstops in the Yankees system coming up and not just you know they play shortstop these are legitimate shortstop prospects 
But Mateo's the cream of the crop. Of course, no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, Scott, you mentioned earlier Didi, who had a great year. So I think Didi's contract situation could be coming up um, soon. So, you know, Didi uh, this year proved a lot to a lot of people, but he might just be a a minor stopgap until we see Mateo come up to the major league level. That's how I figured it was going to be, is that Didi's just holding the spot for Mateo for when Mateo's open. And on the right side at second base, you know, I say put Ref Snyder in there now. He could be never, the regular second baseman. But I firmly believe that that would just be a stopgap, too. Because when you have a guy like Tyler Wade coming up, you know, yeah, he struggled a bit in double A when he got that promotion. But he's a guy that just flat out hits and provides stellar defense. And you have him working with, if you have him working with Mateo as a double play combo coming up through the system, it would just work out perfectly. So there's a lot of middle infield depth, um, a lot of guys in the system, and you figure, I mean, they're prospects, so you never know what's going to happen. Most of them probably won't pan out. But, exactly. um, you, know, what, um, you know, what are some of the guys that maybe we saw at the AAA level um, that could be moved uh, because you got a lot of depth um, in the organization? In AAA? Or, yeah, I mean, in AAA or, or, I mean, any of the guys that, you know, you could see Cashman trying to package together um, to flip it for a major league ready player, either a bat or an arm. Well, this has been a, a topic of discussion in that Pinstripe Prospects group chat. We we really like to debate these things and talk about it. We, we've been thinking it might be time that either Murphy or Sanchez, one of them will be traded. Or if... If it was up to me, I probably would trade McCann and have Murphy Sanchez split the duties at catcher. But that's just me. You're not biased towards the towards the kids at all, are you? <laughs> no, but when it comes to the if you do that, it's a short term hit, but might be a long term gain. But I think the fact that McCann's contract isn't super long term, they could still have Sanchez come in and be the full time catcher in a year. But let's look at Sanchez right now. I mean, can you get, can you become a, a hotter prospect than him at this moment? Going into, uh, going into the winter meetings with the way he's lighting it up right now, with the big arm that you're talking about, with the depth of catcher, it seems like he would be the guy to move. So you're saying time. sell high on him? Yeah, that, yeah that, that's, 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 that's the mentality I would think. That's the debate a lot of people have: is sell high right now before it comes down. I mean, to me, Sanchez right now is in the position that Bird was in last year. You know, all the hype train is train has taken off with him. So there's a lot less catchers who are, are doing what he's doing, and there are first basemen as well. So catcher exactly. is one of those positions of, uh, you know, that is absolutely coveted. Yeah, and catcher and shortstop, and, and it sounds like the Yankees um, have a good amount of both. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's either Sanchez, Murphy, maybe McCann. Who knows? One of them might be traded. McCann's not going anywhere. Yeah, no. I, I agree. It's it's again one of those guys with a contract that it's just hard to move. I wouldn't even want to move him to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't think those other guys are, are ready yet. Uh, Murphy probably more ready, but but you know uh, what? I don't see Murphy as an everyday. I, I don't want Here's to move. I would take a short term hit for a long term gain, but that's what the Mets did. If you look at it, they've had these guys, these kids playing in the majors getting adjusted to the major league game. That's what you need to do. 
One thing, I mean, this isn't necessarily a prospect talk, but one thing that I think they need to do with McCann is rest him a little bit more in the first half of the season. He's another guy we saw fade down the stretch. Um, definitely struggled offensively. So if that means more J.R. Murphy, then, you know, why not? Don't, first of all, don't call him J.R. John man. Ryan I, Murphy. I, I swear yeah. to God, don't call him J.R. He always, will come after you. I always forget. Yes. He, <laughs> he will come after you. You've seen those pictures. He's crazy. After, after the celebration when they made the playoffs, um, he, I'm on Team Murphy. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, but but that also kind of talks to the to the point that you know if if Sanchez does um, if he do, if he does not get moved, he stays in the organization and continues the hot the hot hitting. Then you know we're we're looking at uh, another position at the the trade uh, the trade deadline in the middle of next year that maybe Murphy is moved and Sanchez is moved up so that we can you know do some more platooning as well um, to keep McCann to keep McCann fully rested if, if Sanchez keeps that up. So. I think with catcher, they do have a lot of options. You know, I was thinking there's another option. You know, you could have Murphy, Sanchez, and McCann on the roster. Have Bird getting his everyday reps at at uh, first base and AAA. And have Murphy help back up Tex. And once Tex goes down, Bird comes up as the everyday once first Once Tex base. goes down. So what's the date that you Beth. have to share again? <laughs> yeah. I haven't started placing the bets yet. All right. <laughs> but but it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. I hope not. They 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 crumbled once he went, left the lineup. Yeah. All right. So we talked a lot of position players, um, and I want to mention something that happened today to set up my next question. So there was a sort of juicy headline that went around Twitter today that Cashman said that he would be open to trading Andrew Miller. I think people probably blew that out of the proportion. Mm-hmm. I think what Cashman was probably saying is. We're open to moving anybody if the right deal is there, which, I mean, that's obvious. Um, If someone's going to offer you the moon for Andrew Miller, you take it. But what's the arm situation, you know, relief pitchers situation look like in the minor league system for the Yankees? Because I got to be honest with you. A lot of these guys we saw come up, um, you know, Nick Goody, Rumbelo, um, James Pazos, all, all these sort of middle relief guys they brought up at the end of the year did not impress me at all. Well, you have a guy like Jacob Lindgren who could be a future closer on his way up. You know, he, yes, he had that surgery, but he'll be back next year. You have a guy like Tyler Reb who sat out a lot this year because of injury, but is working his way back, and he's done pretty well in in, in uh, the Arizona Fall League this year. But one of the guys you should really keep an eye on is like Kale Kosho, who's a big power-throwing righty who could get guys out. He's starting right now, and I haven't slated to start in the double-A rotation, but I wouldn't be surprised if he moves to the, the ballpen and you see him next year in the major leagues. Can you talk more about him? Very powerful, high 90s, like mid, mid to high 90s fastball. He's a guy you definitely want on your team. He was pretty much a reliever most of the time, but he moved him into the rotation last year, and he's really took off. But you also have guys that are coming up, guys that were just drafted in 2015 that you can see just rocket through the system. One of them, Chance Adams, ended last year with high A Tampa. And you get guys like Jeff Degano, who was the second round, uh, third round pick, second one of those two, second or third round pick, who lefty, who's a pretty crafty guy, could find himself in the bullpen pretty soon. And you got guys like James Caprillion, Domingo Acevedo, guys that might be in the in the low minors now, but these guys that could easily be fast tracked 
if they go into that bullpen. And and one guy you talked about, uh, Domingo. I, I've heard just eye popping numbers off of this guy, and everybody likes the fastball. Chicks dig the fastball. So let's talk about his numbers. Where is he right now on the radar gun, and where do you see him moving through the organization? I have never feared for my life as much as I have standing <laughs> behind a catcher when Domingo Acevedo is pitching. <laughs> you never see a clear alleyway from the bullpen through the whole stadium when Domingo Acevedo is warming up because no one wants to stand behind him and get hit. He has a fastball that has, and this is confirmed, touched 103 miles an hour. And he's a right-handed pitcher? Right-handed pitcher. It's a not a Rick Ankiel situation, is it, where he's just winging him to the backstop? No, no, no. He he's he Rick, had Rick some Vaughn. struggle. He had some struggle uh, struggles early on in the season with Staten Island because he was battling a blister injury, and he changed up his his mechanics a little bit. And if you look at the first half, if you actually like looked at him, watched him in the first half of the season with Staten Island, in the second half, you'll see two different pitchers. He just has his he has a confidence on it on the mound, and just he attacks attacks hitters, gets them out. He's not afraid to throw that 103 mile an hour fastball, and he has a solid uh, slider changeup that could really work well. I see him full time. I see him going through as a starter personally. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Pineda. Oh God, we don't. Hopefully, more consistent. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> still, tw- like twenty-one years old, he's still a young kid. Nice. The confidence the Yankees have in him. I've never seen that they sent a guy from short season A to the Arizona Fall League. So that just shows you how much confidence they have in this kid. That's good to hear. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of hope. <laughs> Whether it's you know even even at low A, you know, moving up, it seems like there's a lot of guys with talents in the Yankees organization and. I cannot remember the last time I have heard this much, you know, positive, this, this many positive things coming out of the, the minor league system for the New York Yankees. So I'm excited. This is a, this is a, a good time, um, good time to be a Yankee fan. Oh, this is definitely a good time to be a Yankee fan. Definitely a good time to be a prospect follower because I don't think there's ever been a time where there's been this many great prospects. And it's really starting to get noticed. If you watch the full Stars game, you really told, uh, heard Jim Callis really praising the Yankee system and the Yankee farmhands in the Arizona Fall League on what, what they've been doing. It's amazing to see this talent they hear here. The Yankees have this talent coming up. So are you a follower of some of the other teams' minor league systems as well? Obviously not as closely as the Yankees, but you follow a lot of the younger guys. I, t- I try to keep my eye out as much as I can. You know, Being in a Mets family... I do have a close eye on the Mets system. Yeah. I'm working on launching a site for next year, so that's that's another project. Oh, really? Yeah. Doing double duty. Doing double duty. Well, my question was going to be, you know, where would you sort of rank the Yankees system in the grand scheme of Major League systems? Because it would probably rank near the bottom over the last, you know, in the early 2000s. You know, if you asked me like a year or two ago, it probably would be like second – half of the rankings but right now i firmly believe they're a top 10 farm system and they might be top five in the next year like within like within the year if you just see all these guys coming up 
And that bodes well because we know they can go out and sign the big guy um, to put him over the top. So that's definitely good news. Of course. I, I really feel this Yankees system right now is going to produce so many major leaguers that it's you're going to see the impact for years to come. And I think That's, it's it's also important. I mean, you look at a team like the Royals, and they had guys play with each other in the minors and then up at the major league level. And that's probably why they have such good chemistry and they, they fight back and and, craw, and claw to come back in games because the, these guys are used to playing with one another. They feed off one another. I mean, maybe that's what the Yankees can sort of um, get going, get cooking with these guys playing together in the minors, bringing them up and having them play at the major league level. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's all about chemistry. To borrow a line from uh, Major League Three, the game is about nine nine players playing as one. You don't have to be the best nine guys, but they have to play as one. Yeah, and, and that, that 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 also talks with the 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 new hitting coach. You know, Marcus Tim's coming up from the the system with a lot of these guys that we're we're expecting to see coming up. Um, that just that kind of adds to the you know just the comfort level and adds to the chemistry I think when you have a younger uh, quote younger coach who's worked with these guys in the past to me can only really help the the development coming up to the major league level so um, I think the Yankees are are, are kind of seeing this as well and I, I this is for the first time in a long time I really feel like they do have a good grasp on their minor league system and I think they're doing things the right way because for a long time it seems like we had guys just hidden away for a long time and they were not moving up and and this is the first year we've seen you know guys that we've been listening to guys that we've been hearing about you know starting to move up the ranks and it seems like the Yankees brass is really putting uh, a big emphasis on or has you know put a big emphasis on this minor league system and getting these guys major league ready and and sooner than later yeah I, I tend to agree with that the, you never seen before in the Yankee system that the willingness to fast track someone to see a guy jump two or three levels in a year, you know, if you would have asked me at the beginning of last year if Severino would be a major league starter this year, I would have said no, because that's just not how the Yankees do what they do a year at a time. You know, they would you back in the day you would never see them just have a guy rocket through the system like that, and the more willingness they are to do that the quicker you will see this talent. And next year, I firmly believe you'll see a guy like James Caprillion, who was a top draft pick this year in the major leagues. He has the stuff. Yeah, that's good news. And and you're right. I mean, it, it was almost um, a detriment to them that they brought guys along so slowly, um, didn't give them a chance to show what they got at the major league level. But, um, yeah, I thought when – uh, Severino came up he was I mean his stuff certainly played at the major league level but I, I think the thing that impressed me most was his makeup he was not phased by um, you know the big lights yeah a lot of it I think is the how minor league baseball has changed you know if you looked at 20-30 years ago how minor league baseball was a small town that nobody's ever heard of to today where they're low A affiliate the short season affiliate is in the shadows of the big city and he got Trenton and Scranton these big areas where you're playing they get adjusted to it pretty quickly it really helps so uh, Rob we definitely thank you for coming on talking about some of these prospects Scott anybody you think we missed that you want to still talk about 
You know, I think we covered a lot of the, the guys. Uh, actually, one guy, one guy that that I'm 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 not sure where he fits in, and I don't know if he's a piece that that really could to get a, a lot of return. But um, Jose Perella is a guy that had a lot of fanfare coming in, didn't really take advantage of his opportunity when he came to the major leagues, but has always hit and and done well in AAA. Where do you see a guy like that, you know, fitting into Argo organization, or is he just destined to be moved somewhere else and and hopefully get a you know an opportunity for for him personally somewhere else? You know, last year when he got hurt in spring training, I think that really set him back. I think he could have been probably one of the best utility men, super utility, because he could play every infield position, every outfield position in the game. And I still feel he could, he still has that in him. He's hitting well in the Venezuelan league right now, but he's, he's always hit well down there and he's hit well in the minors. Unfortunately, I do not see a place for him with the Yankees. I think he's a guy that will be traded. Yeah, think, and it's it's a shame because the the value is not there. Uh, you know what it was at the end of spring training last year. I mean, he was peaking at that point. Obviously, he yeah. came out really hot, and that injury. You're right, was just such bad timing. That was because, a concussion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally took the wind out of his season. I mean, he was definitely going to be the um, the utility guy, as you said. Um, sort of play that Brendan Ryan role. Um, I mean, he was positioned to to take that second base job at some point too. I mean, he was he came out firing, and if Stephen Drew, well, I mean, obviously there was a love affair there, but if if Stephen Drew was the only guy in front of him and he kept hitting the way he was, he was a, definitely a guy that was going to put pressure on him, um, you know, to to be in that spot. So I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Robert, that 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 was a big the big spot for him, and hopefully hopefully he can come back because he he really did show well uh, last spring training. I agree. I think. Yeah, I don't think you'll see him as a regular MLB player. I think he's destined to be a super utility guy, but that's valuable. You need those guys. Yeah. And I think if he doesn't have value with the Yankees right now, he does have value as a trade chip. You know, he won't be a centerpiece of a trade, but he will be a good complementary piece to get you a good return. Excellent. So, um, again, you can find Rob on Twitter at Pinstripe Pros, and there you can link to his website and everything. Um, anything else you want to plug? Right now, we're working on some great content on the website. If you haven't seen, we've been doing a top five at each position. We'll be getting some good interviews and features. There's going to be some a lot of cool stuff coming up. I, myself, I'm working on a feature highlighting that 2016 Tampa Yankees rotation that should be pretty pretty formidable so keep an eye out for that sweet and uh hopefully uh, you know as these guys develop more um starting you know beginning of next season we can uh, have you back on see what their development is like that would be great I, I look forward to it all right so scott any last words no robert appreciate you coming on and uh yeah just i'm just i'm hopeful i'm very excited about the system i'm I'm excited to, you know, read more about these guys on your site and, uh, you know, just follow them through the system because it seems like we have a lot of really, really uh, high-quality talent coming up and hopefully we'll be in the Bronx, you know, in the next, uh, within the next five years, we're going to see a lot of these guys. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun time. All right, Rob, thanks again. Talk to you guys next time. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, 
we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.